Metropolis. Someday, this would be the home of the world's greatest hero. Thus far in the Silver Age, though, Superman's stories had been contrived and uninspiring. We dove back into his history once more, hoping for a real turning point. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. You know, I was kind of excited to do Superman. I was. <laughs> I was I was blinded by the mediocrity that had been the Supergirl comics for a long time, and I had forgotten just how little superheroing Superman actually did. And I suddenly weirdly became nostalgic for Martian Manhunter because at least Martian Manhunter dealt with criminals. And I don't know how to feel about that. I I know how I feel about all of this. Uh it feels like there's the least there's the least attention paid to just structuring the stories well out of basically everything we've seen and there is still so much purpose of plot uh What's the word I'm looking for? Not not conveyances, but uh, contrivances. Mm. Uh, these are stories that, for me at least, are unsatisfying. Are often not always, but often unsatisfying as stories, and unsatisfying on a structural level, and unsatisfying on a this is fun to read level. Yeah, it is just bananas to me how he's so misused. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, I have a I have a thing that I'm going to do at the end that's just like, this feels deeply off. Yeah. The more I looked at it and the more like I've been you know looking online and, and through social media, seeing some people who just have commentary on the Silver Age due to the, you know, you know, game recognizes game sort of a thing. Um, mm. The difference between John Broom, Green Lantern and, and Flash and this nonsense is just are these the same era are these the same company are these even the same type of books it's bizarre to a weird stay and it's it's definitely not fun to see superman like this at least for me in the sense where yes it is somewhat entertaining and fun to look back and see how wacky and wild the 60s were for the sake of how are we getting around the comics code etc but at the same time, if you want to read Superman comics, superhero comics, these are not it. Or these are not those, rather. And that is weird to see and to come to terms with. There's a reason, like, your talk about how it's hard to believe they were part of the same age. Like, there's a reason going back to pretty early on in our time delving into the Silver Age... Like I sort of talked about the the Electrum Age versus like the Silver Age and just how different, uh, almost treating it as a completely separate set of trends in like Green Lantern and Flash stories versus this stuff. <laughs> yeah, there is there is a decided difference between what I could only describe as, you know, Green Lantern and Flash being Toonami cartoons. <laughs> And this is WB Kids Ooh. in a way that's just like, who is this for? And why are you airing them at the same time slot kind of a thing? And it's just, it's it's very strange. 
now we've got you know young adult imprints and, and children's books that are your comics that are geared towards a, a children's audience and things like that and that's not uncommon to see and the art style is different and the teams are more used to you know the teams are more situated for dealing with a younger audience so that the comics speak to them in appropriate ways that's great that's fine no problem with that there can be young adult and children's superman books there can be you know young adult and children's wonder woman books absolutely when i look at art that is the same as green lantern art and one of them is childish and the other one is very serious there's a cognitive dissonance that comes across to the reader that i don't think i was really prepared for or had been paying attention to and i think that's what bothers me so much had this looked more cartoony i would have been fine Mm -hmm. but the fact that they still all look like this person's artistic style of realistic adults with some artistic liberties for expression and obvious fictional things that they're doing it looks like it should be taken seriously and i almost just want a different art style and that i think would change how i feel about it because the tone does not match the visuals and we'll we'll see very quickly once we start going into this, which we can we can do right now. Uh, I know Joanne's looking at us very pointedly and tapping her watch, and she's always sick of us talking about Superman and Superman adjacent things. Um, so we're going to jump to Superman number one fifty, uh, January nineteen sixty two. Happy New Year. Um, this is a Superman issue, so there's multiple stories within it because why can't he have tons of stories within one book and also appear in other books who knows um superman supergirl and crypto make a planet full of animatronic kryptonians for a living memorial to krypton on the day or rather the anniversary of krypton's explosion which i guess is a thing you can do to commemorate your dead species sure uh we're just gonna inhabit a whole planet for a museum that's great uh, the second story, this is my favorite. Lois Lane and Lana Lang decide that they're going to have a fake duel to the death to force Superman to choose which one of them he wants to date. In a very strange sort of reverse King Solomon decision that I still am trying <laughs> to wrap my head around the logic behind. And suffice it to say, it doesn't work. And... They end up being more chummy than enemies at the end of it, and Superman is just more baffled by the decisions of these two women. Uh, the third story is uh, Mr. Mitzias Pitalik makes the people on Earth forget who Superman is for a day. And that's it. That's the whole plot. Superman then rearranges the letters in Mitzias Pitalik's name on some stone letters that he's created to the point where Mr. Mitzias Pitalik forgets how to actually say his name backwards so he says it out loud by himself to remind himself which of course in turn shoves him back to the fifth dimension for another 90 days like an idiot (laughs) i don't i didn't understand the point of him reminding himself what his name is backwards other than just be like isn't that how i get destroyed yeah that is it let me just try that one more time and it was just plot devices mr frodo plot devices um the next sequential issue that comes out after the Superman number 150 issue is the giant Superman annual, number four, which is great. 
um, because it's all reruns of stories that we've read, so we're not even going to cover them. And the um, uh, the showcase presents volume that I have, it's completely empty except for the back two pages, which is hilarious. It's like, oh wow, okay, we've already read those. Um, but the back two pages are um, a full spread of the Legion of Superheroes and how they got their powers, which I thought was interesting. And again, I really do want to cover the Legion of Superheroes, and I think we might bring them into our rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Action Comics number 284, January 1962. Superman turns himself into a baby, because that's a thing that he can do, uh, to fit into a hole that is appearing in the Phantom Zone so that he can go into the Phantom Zone close the hole and phantom zone criminals can't get out i'm so tired (laughs) this just this was so dumb and you know what it wouldn't have been so bad if he didn't spend the first two-thirds of the story helping people out as baby superman and causing people to be confused as to why an infant child could perform the deeds of superman that had no purpose that went nowhere it was just to show a bunch of people confused by baby superman and then he went to the phantom zone met mon l stopped a bunch of criminals and then closed the hole it was oh god and it wasn't just like the characters who were confused as to why he was why there was this super baby it was the readers as well like this uh there's there are a number of these stories throughout you've heard me like rant about them in the past stories that aren't just product of plot, but in particular are hiding things from the reader so that it's 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 meant to be a twist, but it's like a reveal that usually has no grounding in anything else that we've seen. And it's just, oh, or what's the secret? What's the secret? Here's the secret. And the entire underpinning of the story is trying to get us to to entice us into what's the thing that they're hiding why is this happening and the end it just ultimately feels deeply unsatisfying at least for me because it's not like oh like it's not a murder mystery it's just uh why is superman going to murder this person what stupid contrivance are you going to come up with that justifies this plot hook yeah it, it definitely feels like when they do these sequences where something happens or superman does something completely out of character or for no reason whatsoever that they do it specifically because I think that they think that they've like run out of ideas so that they have to like get you to guess why he's doing this to keep you reading. Otherwise they've done everything they can possibly do with this character. So (laughs) like every time you mention these stories and we come across them and you're absolutely right every time you do. It is so ridiculously dumb when they're like, why is Superman doing this? Like when the narrator, when the narrator and the narrative boxes are like, you know, what reason could Superman possibly have for, you know, punching this cow right in the face? You're like, I don't know. (laughs) That doesn't seem like a thing he would do. Or what Mm -hmm. could Superman possibly need with this innocuous plant that he's pulled out of this old woman's garden? Nobody knows but you, narrator. Stop asking me. There's no purpose to this, as far as I can tell. I'm going to keep reading because I need to know why he's doing this. But clearly that is the that's that is the whole plot hook for this issue and for these stories. And I it genuinely feels like they've run out of ideas sometimes and they're just like, I don't know, just don't tell anybody what he's going to do, do a thing and then reveal it at the end and call it a mystery. It's it's contrivance for the sake of mystery. Yes, that I agree with. I 
I feel like they found a they found a narrative type that is easier. I think they they there is still imagination that they could delve into, but it's like they found a they found a template and they're just going to that well as often as they can. Yeah, it's like those three wishes ones that we keep running into, which we run into yep. one again in this in this stretch oh, of wow, yeah. stories we do. Um, but it's three dumb things that he does that eventually solves the problem. And that's that's the other piece there is it's not just here is this thing that's out of character. It's it has to be expressed through the rule of threes or in some there it is multiple pieces to build tension towards the theoretically the release of oh and that's how it works uh so it's fundamentally we're seeing three unrelated things happen that just emphasize how out of place this is instead of having like things build in any way instead of having like oh this is happening and now people have to react to it and people other people like really get to we don't get any scenes of like Lois and Perry White like grappling with what's wrong with Superman. It's just here's two more times where Super Baby does something weird. I would be 100% into a story of us coming in and Medius Rest to Jimmy Olsen following Superman doing wacky things going what could he possibly be doing and Jimmy Olsen is filling us in the whole way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like at least that would be different. And we'd be getting more characterization or more knowledge from Jimmy, and it would be a different mouthpiece as opposed to the omniscient third-person narrator. And maybe we could show some characterization of Jimmy doing some stuff or showing Lois, you know, using her journalistic skills to figure something out or anything like that. That would at least allow for something to occur in the filler. At least for me, there are certain archetypal stories that archetypal may not even be the right word but there are templates of stories that for me the first time i see that and saw them is as part of the old sonic comics like Mm. and so as a result especially because the early ones of those like issue 25 to 50 were not uh, they were of this kind where it is uh, relatively standalone, maybe some stuff happens in between, but it's these rather archetypal stories of, oh, Sonic got brainwashed and is fighting his friends. Okay, that becomes my template for how I understand and think about stories of Superman is fighting his friends and they don't know why. Uh, and so the lens that I view this through is, oh, this story should be told from the perspective mainly of the other characters who we as the readers know, oh, he got brainwashed by, in that case, Robotnik. uh, And at the very start of the issue, that happens. And we know why he's attacking the freedom fighters. And the rest of the issue is told largely from, okay, here they stand up against him and he bulldozes through and we see it primarily from their perspective so this these stories being let's keep the information from the readers and still keep the camera exclusively on the protagonist who's acting out of character just feel wrong to me because i saw it done better in the mid 90s in uh (laughs) in a cheap relatively cheap tie-in comic yeah, and you're not wrong. That like those seeing where those evolved from is something that's always fascinating while, while reading these comics. But it's also like, oh wow, it's like watching someone make the first pizza. It's just gonna be bad. 
we're going to have new pizza now and they're going to be great. But boy, that first one was rough, you know? Um, speaking of, of rule of three stories, we've got another one coming up right now. Superman number 151, February 1962. Uh, Superman monkey paws a few shitty students who are giving Lois a hell of a time while she's writing a story at a school. And he basically scares them straight by giving them perverse versions of things that they wish for. And, you know, what else is he going to do? He's Superman. It's not like he has world-threatening issues to deal with with the Justice League. But sure, let's let's beat up on some high schoolers. Um, the second story is Superman uncovers a fitness scam by a guy who is claiming that he can train you to be as strong as Superman. And he's just scamming a bunch of weak guys. The third story is Superman stops a Kryptonian dragon from running wild and uh, fends off Lois Lane from, again, trying to figure out whether or not he's Clark Kent or not. I almost miss these storylines. I almost miss the Lois on hot on the trail of Clark's secret identity. But uh, if I, I know if I say that, um, that I do, we're going to get five of them in the next, in the next episode, and I'm going to hate them again. Uh, Action Comics number 285, February 1962. Superman reveals uh, Supergirl to the world. We've actually covered this issue already in our Supergirl coverage, if you want to go back to that episode and find it out. Um, it's a kind of a fun, kind of non nonsense issue. There's not a lot happens other than just everybody loving Supergirl, and that's great. Action Comics number 286, March 1962. This is probably, this and the one following it are probably the ones that have the best structure and the best storyline. Um... But uh, 286, March 1962, aliens hit Superman with some red kryptonite that gives him bad dreams. And while he's in the bad dreams, he kind of sleepwalks and destroys a bunch of things. Um, and they continually hit him with this red kryptonite ray or dust so that he has all these dreams that seem like really vividly real. And each of them has a dear friend acting out of character towards him and causing bad things to happen. Um I will take a special note at the start of this issue. Somehow the aliens get a hold of Crypto. And they experiment on him with different types of kryptonite. And I am 100% oh, yeah. not okay with that. Like somehow they just got Crypto. I guess they, they tricked him and they, they captured him. And they just test red kryptonite types on Crypto. And we're just supposed to be like... And then he gets away. But I'm like, are we going to talk about like this weird sort of animal testing storyline that we have right now? That is very uncomfortable? No mention of it ever again, by the way. Superman doesn't, like, beat the crap out of these guys for, for testing his dog, or Crypto doesn't show up in the end of the storyline uh, to to get vengeance on them. None of that happens. It's absurd. Um, also, the story does not end, um, like, it does not have a conclusion. It's a full issue of Superman having dream after dream after dream and causing him to, to have these waking nightmares. And it ends there. Like, what's going to happen in the next Action Comics? Don't worry. You won't find out immediately because chronologically Superman number 152 comes out. And that's April 1962 where a dumb thing happens. Surprise. Uh, fake robots are used by the Legion of Superheroes to distract Superman and Supergirl while the Legion of Superheroes plant some presents in the, of so in the Fortress of Solitude to celebrate the anniversary of Superman meeting Supergirl for the first time. That's a weird roundabout way to give your friends some presents. Um... Again, another super baby story, except this time it's a flashback into Smallville of baby Superman stopping a bunch of gangsters who wear jack-o'-lanterns on their heads, because I guess everybody needs a gimmick. Um, 
The final story in Superman 152, criminals put a hidden camera on Superman to try and find his secret identity, and Superman finally figures out where the camera is and uses one of his Clark Kent robots to throw them off the scent. And of course, Superman's his way out of that one. Back to what everybody cares about, Action Comics number 287, the conclusion of the Red Kryptonite Dream storyline. Uh, this is April 1962. Uh, the aliens effectively do one more Red Kryptonite dream to him, and he's fully freaked out by the fact that he keeps falling asleep in a sort of narcoleptic way and having these incredibly vivid dreams that destroy everything around him. And they start attacking Earth with really futuristic-looking technology, and their plan is that if Superman continues to have dreams about the future where all of his friends hurt him, all we have to do is pretend to be from the future, and he won't stop us because he'll think he's in a dream, and we can trick him, and we can get away with conquering the Earth. Not a bad plan, all things considered. You know, hinging specifically on red kryptonite and its specific effect on Superman. They forgot, however to have a dear friend of Superman act out of character, and that was the tip-off for Superman that he wasn't in a dream, and he turns around and stops the aliens. I liked this pair of stories, 286 and 287. They were fine. Um, Superman number 153, May 1962, a criminal city councilman from, uh, God, from, the, from a stupid, like, Little Dale. That's the name of the town. Not Smallville, Little Dale, because we can't have nice names i didn't even think of that it's so i did dumb. not even think of that oh my god we had we had blue valley we had middle vale did we get did we run out of the good name generator at dc comics which is fucking little dale it's cool it's smallville but but smaller um uh the city councilman's working with the crooks and he can't have superman in his town so he tries to get superman arrested on trumped up trivial charges and eventually superman and the sheriff you know, see through this and they arrest the the city councilman. My favorite part is that Superman gets arrested and put in jail and stops a small alien bomb that has been planted in Littledale. That was the entire reason he goes there in the first place. He stops it from blowing up and he doesn't leave his cell and he repairs the cell wall. And then eventually the sheriff comes over and he's like, hey, I need your help to actually arrest the city councilman. And he puts Superman in his custody and kind of like mini deputizes him. And they stop the city councilman and the court reverses the arrests on Superman. And he specifically says, I solved the case completely within the bounds of the law. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that Superman's just superheroing around with no actual legal authority. And he's, he has to call out, remember kids, Superman did this legally. Don't try this. Yeah. Don't try this illegally. If you have superpowers, you have to repair the jail the jail cell when you're in it after you throw out the nuke from Saturn that you found buried underneath the small town. Uh, the second story. Oh God, this one beat all. A bunch of photographers from Rangoon, because Rangoon is around at this point in time in the 1960s from Burma. I think Burma. I don't know if Burma is still a country. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is. Yeah. As part of the decolonization, it was renamed Myanmar. That's right. It is now Myanmar. Thank you very much. So, some guys from some guys from Rangoon are you know are saved by Superman when he goes to Burma to um, stop a, a national crisis. They're like, hey, you know what? That Superman's a great guy. Let's take a picture of him and put him on our national stamp as a commemorative thank you thing. And I'm like, that's kind of nice. That's a that's a that's a decent thing of them to do. They take a cool picture of Superman um, lifting up a giant globe 
that has been you know that's fallen off of the Superman museum and, and it's a great shot and they're like thanks Superman he's like oh no you can't use that picture I can't have you do that and so the rest of the issue or the rest of the story is him trying to do different amazing things to get them to have a different picture and eventually we find out that he wanted them to have a different picture because the picture that they had is straight on at him and he's afraid that due to the law of averages when they print the country or city name of the stamp on top of the picture the two O's in Rangoon will be over his face and reveal that he's Clark Kent because it'll look like glasses and he says any picture of him that the papers have ever taken has been from the profile and this would have been the first front-facing picture of him that any paper would have gotten and I I God, man, I'm so tired <laughs> that's so dumb <laughs> I'm so mad that Martian Manhunter is out here beating up mobsters and Superman's worried about whether or not the letters of Rangoon will be organized on his face in such a way that his flimsy secret identity can be found out that's that's what's gonna do it Clark not the fact that your secret identity is just glasses or a suit that's probably ill-fitting or your voice is the same or you have the same haircut and you go and not oh my god superboy disappears from smallville the same day you move to metropolis no one's putting one and four and two and three to get oh my god <laughs> rangoon i'm so i, I like to imagine he commutes for a little while i hope he does i hope he takes the train <laughs> or something fuck I'm so mad Lois encounters a bunch of Phantom Zone guys hiding out in an old west town and she brings Superman so that he can put him back at the Phantom Zone. That's the third story. That one's fun. And it's in an old wild west town with a bunch of Kryptonians and it can't it can't stop me from being mad about Rangoon. I'm so mad. <laughs> final <laughs> final two stories. Action Comics number 288 May 1962. A guy tries to prove Superman is Clark Kent by interviewing a bunch of guys from Smallville and people who encountered Superboy and trying to put two and two together that in fact every time Superboy showed up Clark Kent disappeared. Luckily he's bluffing when he puts a vest of dynamite on himself saying come on Clark Kent save me and Clark doesn't do anything and he's like blast how did you know it was a trick? And Clark socks him and knocks him out, but in his brain, in the thought bubble says, I knew that wasn't real dynamite because it didn't smell like nitroglycerin. I'm like, boy, you got off lucky. Or, I don't know, have Batman show up as Superman and save you. Because remember, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne look exactly the same? Yep. God, the Silver Age pisses me off. Action Comics number 289, June 1962. This is what a one to end on. A prankster joins the Daily Planet and causes everybody a bunch of grief. And everyone hates him. And Superman pranks him. And he's like, I'm never going to prank anyone again. I need Superman to do that for every YouTube prank channel. I need Superman to just take one <laughs> prank way too far on these guys. That they're like, Superman, I'll never do it again. He's like, you better not. Because it ain't funny. Oh my god. That's it. That's all we got yep. for this section. There's so much more to cover in two years because he's in so many friggin' books. We tried to cover what we could in a reasonable amount of time. That was like something like only almost 200 pages of comics. And we're trying real hard to get through these. I I have a bad tendency not to 
well, not to work ahead, like, in general, but also especially for this, like, I'll usually, like, sit down and read almost all of it, like, in one day. Uh, I'll often do that, like, a couple days before we record. Uh, this one, I actually spread it out across three different days, and it still took a goodly chunk of time each night. I don't know what it is. I, I genuinely don't know if it's a difference between entertainment or how these are presented. Because I don't have this problem with the Green Lantern or Flash comics. They're the, they're the same style, same art. They just... It's gotta be how boring these are. Yep. And, I mean, I had the same problem with Martian Manhunter. And it's so bizarre... And I get, you know, now we always joke and and poke fun at Superman comics not being the most well-written or being boring or being cyclical or whatever. But, man, I will take whatever is being written today about Superman over this. It's also somewhat disappointing because for the years we've covered, he isn't anything more than just a guy who can solve every problem. There is nothing of the altruistic, loving father figure superhero that he's supposed to be. It is just, this guy can do anything, so he will. He's not fighting any more super criminals. I mean, we didn't have Brainiac or Luthor in in what we covered, which was like six months. Huh. Not a single supervillain. Supergirl is dealing with Luthor now and Phantom Zone criminals at the same time that this is happening. And Superman's dealing with Lois and Lana nearly killing each other in a fake duel to the death that goes way too far. Or (laughs) scaring the crap out of teenagers. Supergirl is dealing with supervillains. What the hell is Superman doing? I, I swear to God, when we get to Justice League, he better be doing... Gardner Fox better be using him better, you know? Mm -hmm. Because these guys are just... He may as well just be Archie, you know? Ooh, yeah. Just put Archie in a weird, in one of the, because they do weird crap with Archie all the time. They just, they recently ended or whatever. It was like five or six years ago. They had that Archie, Archie and Alien versus Predator (laughs) for reasons or like Archie meets Elvira or what have you. Mm. And if you put Archie in the Superman suit, it would be literally no different. I am literally looking at a 90s comic uh, cover, Archie's Super Teens. Yeah, it's just that. Like, he isn't, there's nothing about him that is particularly Superman other than the fact that he is wearing the costume and he's from Krypton. If it was just a dude with superpowers from Smallville, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be any different. And he's not unique in any of what he's doing. He's not inspiring. He's not, you know, starting to be a beacon of, of hope or, any sort of ideal uh, ideology that he should be. I don't know if that's the 70s when we finally start to get writers on these things that are trying to do something different. I don't know. But in the 60s, I would have canceled this along with Martian Manhunter. It's just beyond frustrating to see a character like this who is so influential and so important be misused. I have a thing on that. Shall I, shall I start my little diatribe? Yeah, yeah. No, now, now's the time. There's a thing that you already called out during the plot summaries that 
really just for whatever reason, well, for a couple of reasons, but I don't know if this is the first time it's happened and I just haven't noticed in the past or if it just for whatever reason hit me more this time than it has potentially in the past. But there's a pretty major moment of legalism as the moral underpinnings of Superman's universe here, specifically the story around uh, Superman being in the town and uh, Littledale and being uh, arrested on erroneous charges. Well, but that's the thing. It's not erroneous. It's minutia. It's, hey, uh, in the course of saving this bridge, you stop traffic and only a police officer is allowed to do that. Uh, and the bit where he has, he ends up saving the day entirely within the law. And look, I get it. It's this, it's this era that is so concerned about social stability. It is specifically also the era of the comics code and, Everything has to be like the law uberalis, but the idea that the moral underpinnings of Superman's world are what's legal hits me on a deep level as wrong. Uh, and that's not to say that Superman doesn't or Superman's characterization should not be concerned about the law, but to my mind, Superman's Superman's view of the law should entirely be at a more fundamental level of uh, the law as the expression of justice and the will of the people. I don't imagine Superman as going into like Chinese territory to save the day if he's not welcomed in, uh, if he is told don't come in. But that at least I can look at and say, okay, there's that is a situation where the people of China probably wouldn't be cool with this kind of colonial uh, power uh, exerting itself. Whereas this is fundamentally about respect, or respect is the wrong word, uh, obeying all the minutiae of uh, broken windows policing effectively. Uh, hey, you accidentally dropped a piece of paper. I need to arrest you now. Uh, all of that. The idea that Superman would have any respect for or be be driven by that kind of that kind of legalism as compared to especially when it when it does not have the support of the majority, when the will of the people is not behind that, when it is just this is the law, you have to follow this. Uh, I call bullshit that Superman should ever be written such that that is a priority for him. It shouldn't even be something that he does more than notice. I I firmly believe that Superman is a character who should be entirely con driven by what he thinks is right and how he can make things as good for people for other people as possible. Now, do I think that's the way that every character should be written? No. Uh, John, you have an entire comic that is largely about how do you uh, combine the pursuit of justice and respect for the law and how uh, working within the law can be 
is important from a superhero or from a realistic superhero perspective. But these are not stories that are realistic superheroing. This is the wrong character for this. And this is certainly the wrong tone for that kind of thing. Putting bureaucracy into what is largely a fantasy story feels dirty. Yes, it is. That's exactly it. These are fantasy stories. Right. It's not to say that you can't have rules in your fantasy storyline or like, I mean, we all do enjoy us some Lord of the Rings that has that, oh, well, Gondor must call for aid using the pyre lights off in the distance that uh, some guys are sitting out there doing forever. And that's they're just their fucking job. They live in the mountains near fires. We all love us some rules and treaties and, and laws and, and fantasy stories. But when the character's entire thing is, I must abide by the law. And he's a superhero who later in his career largely just becomes a moralist as opposed to a justice person because justice within the law isn't technically what's moral, is very strange. Now, it was also equally strange to watch Superman destroy an entire neighborhood on the off chance that the government would rebuild it for free. You know, it's not that the idea of him following law and order isn't believable within the comics code. It feels weird, I think, to your point, Knowing where the character is now, knowing what the character represents, and seeing him so thoroughly mm-hmm. judicially written, it feels awkward. Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. It it does it does come across uncomfortable. And again, I mean, pe- see, people look at Superman as a character who is is the somewhat polar opposite to Batman who Batman is currently which is the the vigilante working outside the law writing the wrongs that the law gets wrong which even that is no longer really kind of what the character is but he's he's the nighttime scary superhero Superman operates during the day has good relationships with the cops the president likes him presumably this character is law abiding to make him law-abiding and not law-respecting, I think, is two different things. Mm-hmm. Superman will respect national law, but he will not let it get in the way of doing what's right. You know, I'm not going to come into this country and break every single law mm-hmm. because I don't respect them. But I will stop them from doing something that is morally incorrect, even if it is le- uh, even if it is legal. And I think that's more the take that we that we should be seeing but obviously we're not going to see that in the comics code when they're like the cops are the best vampires are fake and magic and satanistic and everything else is the worst so everyone can only be a good guy law-abiding and there's no murder except disney deaths what else you got uh, just uh, just another <laughs> thought i feel like superman being law respecting versus law-abiding is the difference between somebody wearing their shoes in somebody else's house even though the person says please don't wear them and taking his shoes off, but knowing he could wear them and no one could stop them. You know, mm-hmm. I will respect this and do this, but I am also Superman and you can't stop me from from writing a wrong. If if Superman had to put his shoes on in somebody else's house, he would do that. And just be kind of bemused when you say, no, you can't do that. It's like, no, I did. I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. I think that's that's another piece of it is that there is almost an unspoken covenant 
about Superman that he will do things for the right reasons. Superman is the fictitious good cop for whom we wish that there were no rules yes. and restraints. And to to add the restraints in uh, feels ludicrous in a world where that you where you cannot imagine Superman being wrong. Like you could imagine Superman like being taken over or something like that. That's something, but you can't imagine Superman abusing power. Yeah. Do you have any other points? I mean, do we need to talk about monkeys pawing again? I don't think we need to, to broach that. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to, now that I think about it, I'm going to piggyback off that a little bit. Uh, less the specific structure of the monkey's paw and more what it kind of embodies there there are a couple stories in here that stand out as superman tricking people in traumatic ways uh in that one it's okay it's very clear hey a monkey's paw uh you grant a wish there's something horrible about it and the person says oh god let me take it back and you do and a lesson is learned and everything continues and the thing i want to call out there is one of the one of the wishes is make me famous essentially it is make me the top box office star and superman says okay and turns a kid into a monster and the monster would be well paid uh, etc but the kid's like Gee, holy crap i i look i'm a monster this is horrible change me back i've learned my lesson and the crime for which superman is inflicting this trauma is he was a teenage shithead in class to Lois. Uh, he was a kid who was being taught by Lois, who was doing a piece and basically pretends to be a substitute teacher for a day. And they're just shitty kids. And then in a different story, Super Baby, uh, I think Super Baby, uh, sees that a dad thinks basically a Krypton is going to happen on Earth. It's going the Earth world is going to end, and so he has to send the kid off in a spaceship. And Superman basically swaps himself out for the kid, and the spaceship blows up. And the dad just has this moment of absolute trauma of, oh no, I killed my kid. And then Super Baby reveals, no, no, this is what happens, and that's why you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't lose your head over like your fears. The world isn't ending, and aren't you glad you learned a lesson? It's like. No, you know that you, old switcheroo. You gave that, yeah, and <laughs> and it's treated like it's a switcheroo. And I get it. This is a this is an era of comics where consequences don't exist. It's all fun games. But as someone coming from a modern context, seeing the trauma that is being inflicted there, and it being tricksy, it for for people who haven't committed a real crime. Like someone who let stress get to him and thought the and decided that he thought the world was ending and was trying to save his son and then some teenage shitheads. It's no. And it the, those aren't justified trauma targets. It was very definitely Superman acting like Mr. Mixius Bidlick. Ooh, 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 man. And the only person it's justified to act like that too is someone who is so powerful or has so much plot armor that they won't be hurt by yeah. it. And you're absolutely right. Without the plot armor, it would have been a horrific, terrible thing. But 
because he's Superman, we're supposed to see it as good. Yeah. And the the other the other comparison I keep drawing back to it is our old conversations about uh, force feeding criminals turkeys. Don't ever force feed a criminal a turkey. And and the thing that I'll come back to on that is who's it being done to? It's the antagonist. It's the villain of the piece, not just the villain, but specifically someone who is a criminal committing like an armed robbery. Again. You're a bad guy if you if you just overkill someone, you know? Punishment has yeah. to fit the crime. And for Superman to just be like, oh, what's that? You're going to be a jerk to this girl that I like who is keeps trying to figure out who my secret identity is? I'm going to take you to another planet because you said you wanted to be a king and put you on it and draw these weird, creepy vegetable creatures towards you who will treat you as their king. And I'm going to leave you here. Oh, what's that? You'll behave? Good. Brings him back to Earth. Yeah. Like, it's like it's like your kid trying to smoke, and you catch him smoking, so you make him smoke the whole pack of cigarettes in one go. Yeah. Yeah. The One of the things that I think is exacerbating our issues uh, is with the Superman issues, there are, first off, there are three three stories in each of them. Uh, and second, they're eight or nine pages for the first story and the third story. And then the second one's a little bit longer. But this is all sort of going to tie back into the stuff we talked about earlier with the purpose of plot, the pop stuff, and the hidden from the reader twists and revelations. Uh, first off, like that combination of things that are product of plot and hidden from the reader twists is rough because it means that even when they do have those, oh, this is the reveal of what we've been hiding from you this whole time. It's not grounded in anything. It feels contrived. Uh, but what makes it even worse is all the other things that are going on. Uh, there's cover unrelated to plot disease where a lot of the time, like there's a story, uh, there's there's the visual of the on the cover or in the uh, splash page, and it's unrelated to the core of the plot. Uh, so they have to spend more pages trying to fit stuff in uh, that isn't related to the core of the story. They have to, they have fewer pages to work with. And as a result of all those things, like making it harder, you wind up having these situations where characters act out of character or they act without nuance. And it's just, all right, this is, this is what has to happen in order for the story to happen the way it has to happen. And it's just deeply unsatisfying. It's a lot of situations where like Lois uh, acts out of character, Superman acts out of character. There's, there's a story where Superman's response to uh, someone thinking that, oh, Clark Kent is Superman, is to resort to the use of the threat of force. Like, uh, he heat yeah. rays a or threatens to heat ray a story, and it turns out that the those are uh, robots. But it's it's so jarringly out of place. And the only thing I can come up with is okay, they only had nine pages. That's probably just it. I think you're right. The the fitting a square peg into a round hole of some of these dumb splash pages and and non related covers is a thing that we haven't seen in a while because we've been reading better written books. Um, mm-hmm. But 
it is it is strange that he is still encountering that. You would think that the dynamic cover slash splash page to catch the reader's attention, regardless of whether or not it has any substance within the plot, would be used for books that don't sell as well. Hmm. You know, I would have expected hmm. this in Green Arrow, but seeing this for Superman feels oddly out of place. Yeah. It's... You, they shouldn't need to resort to such trickery. Yeah, absolutely. The other stuff that I want to make sure that we touch on briefly... Um, so the the story with the folks from Rangoon, I just want to call out, like, hey, that is a story that very prominently features people of color, uh, which we don't see yes. very much, especially in Superman stories. And they're not written as stereotypes. Like, the, I mean, what it boils down to is they're they're written white. Like, they're not written with any real differentiation, which, you know, like... Uh, Especially given the amount the page count, I am just fine with it. It was a satisfying story. They yeah. were not treated as dumb. They were just, hey, here are some folks from a different place, and they're looking for a picture. And yay, I was happy about that. Yeah, they they were not in broken English, and they did mm -hmm. not have over exaggerated caricature features on their faces or bodies. Yeah, like the one thing that felt weird about that entire story was. At the start, they referred to uh, an earthquake as an earth tremor. And it's like, oh, where is this going? But nowhere. So, yay. Yeah. The other thing is... I. <laughs> so we were talking before we started recording. Uh, we both... We read these in different ways. Uh, the way that I wind up reading these comics, I will usually go through all of the issues of one given uh, comic. And then all the issues of the other comic... Uh, whereas uh, John went through in chronological order, which meant for me, I read all the action comics first, and then I read the Superman comics. So for me, the the first the first story that you, that you started off with in the plot summary of the the tragic repopulation uh, or with androids of a fake Krypton, for me that was. Okay, finally done reading these shitty action comics. Oh, what's this? Oh, this is interesting. And the same with the immediate follow-up to that was the uh, Lois Lane and Lana Lang story. Uh, and maybe it's because I had that different experience. And this was also night two that I read those. Uh, I guess I was primed to enjoy them more uh, in part. I don't. This one didn't get, you didn't call this one out, so I'm not sure if you noticed this, but the artist for the Lois Lane, Lana Lang story was uh, Kurt Schaffenberger. Oh, it's your guy, Schaffenberger. Yep. I, you know what? Now that you keep pointing him out, I do start to recognize the art more. Yeah, it's, and I honestly, I think that's, for me, that made such a difference in that story because it, it could have so easily been... Not sold, uh, just very non-dynamic poses and stuff. And there, are, there's just a sequence in there where it's Superman sort of caught between the two ladies, and eventually them like uh, I think Lois storming after uh, Lana. Just the dynamic of 
instead of three people just sort of standing in the same place, it's there is a clear this person reacting to this person and reacting to that person at the same time. Uh, it works. It, that whole story winds up working really well for me. It definitely like I, I think I was primed for it in a way that unfortunately you, you definitely weren't because <laughs> coming off of well, uh, the first action comic story or at, at the start of all of this, it's so easy to get just kind of washed away. Sure, but I will say it was my favorite visually for, as far as visual mm-hmm. storytelling went. It was just goofy as all get out. Fair. <laughs> but it did have probably some of the best visual storytelling because I think Schaffenberger is probably the better artist on all of these stories. Yep. The one other thing, I just I want to call this out from the, uh, from the first story of uh, the robots and stuff. It, it leads with another, oh, like three or four part, what's going on? Uh, but it's everyone mark, or getting ready for essentially a moment of silence for Krypton. Uh, and as a result, it does actually build up a little bit to a payoff of, oh, that's what's going on. The bit that really hit me was they show they show the core of kryptonians being sad and they also cut away to bizarro world where of course the inverse of being sad and commemorating something is celebrating it and you just have all of bizarro world just celebrating this moment and in the back of my head i'm going oh yeah for all of this joy and all of this celebration is actually inverted and that is the scale of the tragedy and i just that that i really like that yeah and i also appreciated that they showed bizarro world yeah oh yeah you know just the idea that like hey you know not just candor but we do still remember that we had this thing elsewhere (laughs) i i do hope that at some point we do a little bit of uh superman's pal jimmy olsen or superman's girlfriend lois lane just yeah. it feels like though you know what it is i suspect that those as with like supergirl stories they'll just decide to spend more time in like the shared universe world built things i uh, one can only hope yep all right shall we uh step on over to recommendations yeah um i recently finished the i think 28 2018 or 2019 spider-man game on the ps4 nice really good really really recommend it i don't know if i've recommended it before but i finished it now and i i really enjoyed that story i think insomniac did an excellent job with that um really fun to play um and it does something that i really appreciate at the end of the game it's i mean it's not really a spoiler the game's been out for about a year or two um after the game is over you can continue to play in new york city and they turn back on all the random crimes. Mm. And so you can swing around the city stopping crime. Which is all I've ever wanted to do in a Spider-Man game. And I hope, I hoped Arkham City would be, or Arkham Knight would have been, but they took that away from me and just filled it with bad guys. But I thought that was really cool that they were like, nope, we're just going to leave this mechanic in and just have random events pop up around you and you can be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And that is almost worth the price of admission right there. Nice. On my end, uh, our timing is sadly not exquisite because it 
the sale on this recently ended, but Humble Bundle did a Kieran Gillen uh, and uh, Jamie McKelvey, I'm sure I'm misremembering his name, but a sale of a bundle of pretty much everything that they've done that's creator-owned. Uh, so everything oh, wow. they did at Image, which mostly means all of Wicked Plus Divine, uh, which A, recommended, but B, uh, it also had the first two volumes of what they're working on, or rather what uh, Karen Gillan is working on now, which is Die, as in the singular of dice. And the hook there is, okay, it's uh, kids D&D back... 30 years ago, uh, got sucked into the fantasy world for two years, came back out, and then after growing up, get sucked back in. And it's just hitting me really hard, in part because I'm like, I am not 40 like these characters are, but I'm 32 at this point. Uh, And old enough that it's like, okay, there is an earlier era of gaming and table of tabletop gaming in my life i am not the same person i as i was at that point and the way that this deals with that is great like one of the things that it seems like karen gillen is really good at is saying okay here's the situation and here are the rules and that portion of this is character agnostic so that you could populate it with different characters and different different people and different things would happen it's what they did with wicked plus divine and the whole system of the gods uh and it's the same system here in die to the point that he had released an actual like rpg source book of like a relatively simplistic game that is just hey not quite a one shot but like two to four sessions uh take the same rules and the same structure and play it (laughs) just insert your own characters and i'm very much enjoying it i love the art it is it is like dark fantasy with a fair chunk of horror in it and it just hits my happy place a friend actually gave that to me as a gift and i haven't gotten around to reading it yet so now that you've recommended it i definitely will oh highly recommended Alrighty, that is going to do it for us for this episode we are going to continue with superman i don't know how many more episodes of this will do but i promise (laughs) we'll get through two more we'll get through the we'll get through 62 to 64 and then after that's wonder woman and then hopefully we'll have some enjoyable stuff to read with her and then it's justice league and maybe (laughs) the maybe the conglomerate will will be able to come up with something else or maybe gardner fox will just pull something out and it'll be great uh but until then take care of yourselves be good to each other we love you and we will talk to you all next time DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Superman continued to be a wish-granting imp, more like Mr. Mixie Spitalek than the Blue Boy Scout of the future. We were even looking back fondly on our recent spell with Supergirl. Much to our chagrin, though, it wasn't time for us to move on from Superman yet. <laughs> <laughs>